So uh, if you missed last week, sorry with the snow, I didn't order it. But I hope you listen to the podcast because we're going to pick up where we left off. And that was in Acts 20. And last week, if you missed it, no biggie, listen to the podcast because it's the foundation for today. But for the benefit, realizing weather did hit, uh, we'll do a little bit of a recap. So Acts 20, and we're going to start in verse 22. It says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul has pulled together uh, the leaders of a church that he planted three years ago. He's invested in them deeply. He knows he's never going to see them again. This is their last time together. And so pulling them together, he speaks kind of his last encouragement. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know, verse 23, is that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, if you missed last week, what we discovered is how do you, how do you know the will of God? How do you walk in the will of God? Well, there are at least three things that we need to consider. We'll put it on the screen. There are things that you know. There are things that you think you know, and there's things that you just don't know. And, and in Paul's word to them, it's exactly what he says. There are things that you know. Paul is clear on his calling. I have been called to testify to the good news of the grace of the Lord Jesus. He knew he was called to preach. He knew he was called to plant churches. And so the same could be said for all of us. There are certain things that God will tell you. This is the direction of your life. I want you to go in this direction. But not everything is that clear. Some things are foggy. For him, there's some things you think you know. Go to Jerusalem. He doesn't know who exactly he's going to talk to. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. But the Spirit is leading him. And, and what does he get? Prison and hardship are awaiting you. There are things that are going to happen. God doesn't leave us out there and says, good luck. No, I'm going to tell you just enough that you'll trust me for the next step. So that may be happening already in your world. God has said this clearly, but this is not so clear. That's okay. That's normal. Uh, and the third thing we see, there's, there's some things you just don't know. Paul says unequivocally, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there. And isn't that life, right? So when stepping into a new year or stepping into a new season, whether it's of your life or your career, you have to figure out with clarity what are the things God's called you to do. Focus on that. Some parts, though, are foggy. There's mystery. Some parts you're just not going to know, and that's where we lead to tr- or need to trust in Jesus. You see, Paul, he's trusting that the God who's with him, the Spirit that's with him, is going to be with him. So if he's getting beat up, Jesus is there. If he's seeing fruitfulness, Jesus is there. If there's power for healing, Jesus is there. And so the same thing could be said for you. So now what we want to do, that was background. What we want to consider today is this question. How do we grow in discovering God's plan for our lives and take practical steps to live it out? So today, there'll be some absolutely tangible things. Whether you're single or married, young or old, makes no difference. You can apply it to your world. And the key is a picture that Paul gives in verse 24, which will explain this funky gear that I'm wearing. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me Except the task, I'm sorry, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Finish 
the race and complete the task. How do I know the first step to take? Well, it's funny. Coinciding with this and preparing to teach it already, um, I've got a friend who's here. Christian, where are you? It's kind of dark. I can't tell. Christian's over here. Christian Isaacson doesn't like being boasted about, but I'm going to do it anyway. He is an ultra-endurance athlete, and that means he can swim longer than you, he can bike faster and farther than you, and he could beat every one of you in a foot race. How Hello. I mean, every, 99% of us, that we can't touch him. Why? Because he can swim six miles in the ocean, bike 260-some-odd miles, and then run 52 miles in three days. Humans don't do that, okay? But he does. And so I, I just asked, like, hey, I want to run another marathon this year. I had a good experience, but I hit a wall. Will you help me out? And so what does it mean to finish the race and complete the task? Has everything to do with what happened to me this week, just naturally? He sent me a, a list of articles that was revolutionary in the way I see fitness. And here's the, what I learned. And this may be not, not be new to you. It was new to me. Slow is the new fast. That's encouraging. Those of us who don't go, those of us who don't go very fast. Like slow is the new fast. You see, uh, without getting into all the science, and I can forward you the articles if you're interested, uh, you need to burn the fat. Say it with me, burn the fat. Come on, say it again. With Burn the fat. Yeah. So your body is going to burn some sort of fuel when you exercise. It is either going to burn fat or it is going to burn sugar, usually a mix of both. But know this. If you're relying on sugar to push you through, you, you're not going to be able to go the long distance. You're going to fizzle out after a while. So in order to train to go farther, faster, stronger, you need to learn and train your body to burn the fat. So what did he do? He let me borrow one of his heart monitors, and here's how it works. The lower your heart rate, if you can get to the zone, your body will naturally burn the stronger fuel, the fat, which just sounds toning and delicious, right? But you you want to work on that because that fuels like a big log that will let you go longer, but you have to keep your heart rate at that level. If it spikes up, it's going to shift to sugar, which will feel good for a while, but you won't be able to go longer. And so how do you do it? So he gave me his heart monitor and his watch and said, okay, here's kind of a target number. Run under that heart rate number. So I'm looking as I'm running. It's telling me exactly where I'm at. And what I realized is I was training too fast. I was running at a pace that was too fast, I was burning sugar, not building my base that would help me to go long and strong. Now, I'll eventually get to the Bible, but this is going to come back to help us. This is actually going to come back to help us. I had to run so much slower, so much that it was three miles a minute slower than I normally run. Now, I don't run very fast, but let me tell you, I can't even call it running. I have to run so slow. Yesterday, Christian, I had a lady pushing her child in one of those strollers fly fast me. She just, just flew. And I'm just like, every bit of manliness, like, take her, take her down. But my heart rate was like, no, go slow. Why? It's a discipline to slow down. But here's the deal. Am I going to go for the quick fix that will get me through this short run? Or am I going to build into my body some discipline so I can run 262 with joy and strength. And, and Christian says it, and I actually believe it. If you train this way and you lower your heart rate longer, your body, guess what, will clue in and go faster. 
but still at a low heart rate and give you the fuel you need for the long haul. Some of you are like, I'm going to join a gym! You know, whatever. Let's get back to the Bible, and then I'm going to come back and apply this because this physical principle has total, total application for every dimension of life. Now, what's it going to take for you to put yourself in a position to run your race and complete your God-given assignments? Let's look back at verse 28 because Paul tells this group. He uses a different metaphor, but it kind of makes the same point. Verse 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Different metaphor, but notice Paul uses a human analogy to make a very clear principle. Keep watch over yourselves. There are going to be two commands at the end of verse of chapter 20 that Paul tells the leaders to do. Do these two things and the rest is going to go well. And so I want us to think about those two things. You might not be an elder at a church or an overseer or consider yourself a leader, but you're a human and you're trying to follow Jesus. And so the same principles apply. Principle number one is watch your life and those under your care. Watch your life. Now, two commands. The first command is keep watch. It's at the beginning of verse 28. And that means to be in a state of, of alertness, to to be concerned about, to care for, to take care of. We need to think about what we're doing in order to go longer, stronger, faster. You have to keep watch. What does that say? That means that growth isn't automatic. Spiritual growth is not automatic. Health is not automatic. The first thing I need to do as a follower of Jesus is say, am I keeping watch over myself and the flock or the people that God's put around me? Now, it's very easy in fitness today because of all this technology. You can get a watch, you can get a heart rate monitor. You can know this thing was telling me there are five exercise zones and it was telling me how much time I was running in each zone. It was telling me my average heart rate. It was telling me when I was peaking. It tells me how long I've run, how many calories I've burned, uh, what my breath is going to smell like tomorrow. It tells me everything. Not the breath thing, but it, it says everything. But what about like real life? Is there some like monitor that, wouldn't it be great to have the monitor say like, you're out of control. You're stressed out. You need more. Wouldn't it be great if we had that? Well, actually, we sort of do. The scriptures tell us, watch out for your life. Be careful. Take careful attention to... Now, how do I do it? First thing I need to do is realize that slow is the new fast. Now, what does that mean? I get to travel much, and I've been to most cultures in the world in terms of types of cultures, village culture, remote culture, terribly poor, terribly rich terribly rich, where you're spoiled and stressed out and hate the world and depressed. I've been to all areas of life. And what I've noticed is that the American culture has an innate problem. We are obsessed with activity. You don't realize it because you live here. You don't get it because everyone's that way. But we are a culture that is enamored with more. So what's, what's the successful thing? So, man, how's your week been going? Busy. Gosh, man, this week was just busy. Busy is the calling card for success. If you're not busy, you're not successful. So a busier person is a more successful. Someone has more responsibility and and less free time. We don't vacation. Why? We feel like that's for wimps. 
We're afraid to take time off. We don't know how to unwind. We're a culture. That's why when I go to Uganda, I'll be there in a few weeks. To go to dinner is like three or four or five hours. You come and nothing's made. And you all sit around and someone's cooking and everyone's laughing. We're talking and we have a meal and we laugh and we have tea and biscuits because Uganda was British and they don't eat cookies. Evidently biscuits are the same thing. And you know that. And then and you pray together if you're Christians and, and you, you don't look at your watch. You just go to be with people. Now I know I have just stressed half of you out. That, the very thought of that has told, because like, I can't do that. I don't have, I don't have the margin. Don't have the margin. We need to be careful and watch our life and the lives of those that God has put around us. What am I saying? I'm saying in order to hear the voice of God, follow the will of God, we need to make room for what really matters. Now that's going to be the tough part. I felt like in order to go faster, stronger, longer, I need to run faster counterintuitive, right? But you think to go faster, run faster, to go longer, run longer. When actually in order to build this base where my heart is in like a sweet spot and knows and I could breathe and I have energy, I need to slow down to my natural God-given rhythm. Now, the heart rate and the speed is different for every one of us. So your heart rate and speed may be faster than mine, but God wired me some way. And when I lock into that, then I am ready to grow. Does that make sense? And so can I just suggest to you at the beginning of the year, as you're thinking about all these dreams and plans, make room for what really matters. Don't live off sugar. Burn the fat. The fuel that God's given you. Now, we want to discover how to do that. Now, to watch your life means that you're going to have to develop habits and patterns Because life growing with God isn't automatic. So I'm going to have to be intentional to steal Phil and Diane's conference phrase. I have to be intentional about this. It's my responsibility when I realize I can't go over, and my particular heart rate was 138. Every time I'm hitting 139, I have to go down to a walk. Why? If I build my base, I'll make room for growth. Running slow is hard. So what I'm not suggesting is follow these three easy steps and your life's going to be grand and you'll have peace and joy. That is baloney. This is going to be a hard discipline to slow down, to cut out, to trim back, to leave room for God to speak to you, to leave room for you to actually, here's the novel idea, to think, to leave room to think. Is there even margin in your world or do you go to bed at night and your mind's racing and you can't go to sleep? And you're jacked up because you've, you've tried to do too much and think too much. And now your body, there's no peace. If I'm speaking to you, I'm saying it's going to get harder before it gets better. And so this week's runs have been absolutely miserable. So I ran two, two runs on this pattern and it was depressingly, I was embarrassed. I want to run at night because I'm like, if someone sees me, they're going to think, pastor has no game. Like he's got no game. I'm dragging along. But you know what, my friends? Make the hard choice now that will give you long-term endurance. And here's why. It's not just about you. Go back uh, to, to the beginning, verse 28. Watch your life. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which 
the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. You see, you're an overseer in some sense of the term. Now he's talking particularly to elders in a local church, but think about it. You have influence and part of your calling as a follower of Jesus is to exercise your influence. Watch yourself because your life matters, but you know what? Your life is rippling out and affecting all sorts of people. So I'm grateful for people who have done well in following Jesus to pattern it for me. I think I'm thankful for my mom and dad. They've never had a ton of cash, but they're the most rich people I know. They're rich in faith. They're rich in prayer. They're rich in love. They're rich in the things of God and they're not loaded and they can't do all that other parents or grandparents can do, but they've deposited fuel to us for life. Be rich in what matters. I'm, I'm grateful for my youth pastors, John and Nancy. Growing up in New York, they're a husband and wife, non-paid, four kids, ran their own business, but led the youth group in our church. They loved us. They made room for a hundred or so high schoolers. On top of their busy life, they made room for what matters. And here's the benefit. I can track so many people who are walking with God and living for Jesus because they made room. Watch yourselves and the flock. God has given you influence. And so I think about all the people, all the teachers in the schools that I've gone to. And I'm thankful for Luis Polau who mentored me. And I'm, I'm grateful for Phil and John Mark Comer and how they put in my life. I am the beneficiary of other people walking with God. So I say that because you are too. There are people who've poured into you, but now you have a huge influence. I think of my own world. I have an influence in over my wife and her following Jesus. If I go off track, it's going to spill over to her. My kids, Jonah and Alina, I have influence. I have influence on the job. I'm one of the leaders. And so I, I, oversee our staff. What happens when I'm not watching myself? It could impact them. What happens if I am walking with God? It could spur them as well. And then there's the community that meets in our home, like many of you are a part of our communities. And what about those other families? What about, what about you? I have influence in your life, which is frightening to me. But what happens if I'm not following God? It could, it could influence you for the good or for the bad. And then there's the people that you randomly meet because I get a chance to speak at various places and in podcasts and articles and that kind of thing. What happens to the people that I don't know know me? If I don't watch my life, not only can I hurt myself, I can hurt those around me. So it goes for good or for bad. So let's get practical. Slow down your life to make room for people in your church. He's talking to a church. The leaders in a local church in Ephesus. He says, watch yourself and the people around you. It implies I've got to cut some things out to make room for you. So I can't be so busy or I don't have time for you. And can I just say, if sunset is your home, you can't live on the edge with no margin indefinitely if you're going to watch the flock. It's not my job. It's our job. What about the younger people in this church? What about the newer believers in this church? What about the people who are going to come who don't yet follow Jesus? Maybe that's even you. Who's going to make a positive difference and show the gospel to them? You are. I am. We are. I need to have margin. So five things. Some of them may apply to you. Super practical that you can do right now. Throw it on the screen. Basics. If you have not connected, if you've been coming here for a while, but you've actually never gone to basics to hear how we do what we do 
and connect. Because out of basics, we have very real things we're going to invite you into. Come to basics. Uh, Sunset communities. We've called them since day one missional communities. And I'm using a new term and we're using a new term. It's the same exact thing. But we have sunset kids, sunset youth, sunset gatherings, uh, and all sorts of things connected to sunset and then missional communities. And I'm a person that's uber on the, let's keep everything the same. So we're calling our missional communities sunset communities. But it's the same heart, to live as the family of God, making disciples of Jesus, to live as family and missionary disciple. You may see the new lingo, but connect with one, life on life. Maybe it's time to invest in one life here. God's given you some some mileage. You've gone through life. You don't need to know what you're doing. You don't need to know it all. You don't have to have all the answers. You love Jesus and you take time for one person. Life and Life is a mentorship program that we have. And you can go out to the welcome desk and just talk to someone and say, you know what, we'll give you the training you need and literally have coffee with someone that's new to you maybe a little younger, or maybe you need mentoring. Allow someone else just to bounce ideas about like career and life and choices and money and sex and and everything. Let's talk about life together. Intentional parenting, we already mentioned that. The the conference is designed for parenting. You said, but I already raised my kids. It's actually designed on how to become a disciple maker. One who imparts truth to the other. So even if you're not a parent, you're already a grandparent, Come, we want to invest in you. If you cannot afford the $10 a person, things are tight, no problem. Just come and we will cover it. Sunset Studies. Not only do we have our gatherings, but but once a month, Steve and Vicki Marshman lead a team and we want to go deeper in topics that matter, questions that people are asking, things that don't make sense in the Bible. We want to pour into you. But now I just contradicted myself because I just said, cut things out. And I gave you five things to add, right? I'm a series of contradictions. Actually, I'm saying make time for things that matter. Can I suggest, if this is your church, these things matter. The other stuff needs to be marginalized because we want to burn the right fuel. And if you're not walking in the rhythm of God, you're going to have a tough time when you hit tough times. Now, uh, what do I mean? Let's get some balance. Verse 29 of chapter 20, uh, back into the text. He says, why is this important? I know after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise uh, among you and will not spare the flock. I'm sorry, even among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So, and here's the second command. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you, each of you, day and night with tears. So he says to them, the first thing is watch your life. The second thing is watch your enemies. This isn't going to be easy. You're going to have to make some internal choices, choose to slow down in order that God has room to speak to you in a position where you'll listen. But you also have to watch out because there are enemies. They're enemies to fitness. It's called donuts. And I'm totally partial. It's a total weakness. If you want to take me down, give me fresh Pips donuts. It's over. Blue star, yup. I mean, like, I'm just a fan of donuts. But, so I have to watch, one donut at a time is not bad, but like I have to watch 
because there are enemies. And what's the term he uses? Savage wolves. Now, a donut is not that big of a deal. But did you know that there are real enemies facing you and your desire to grow in God? Two commands. Watch your life. Take careful attention to, care about, care for. And also, um, uh, secondly, be on your guard. That is uh, being constant readiness and on the alert. Here's another translation. Keep your eyes open. I need to be aware of what's going on. So, so here's the picture he gives. And I'll, I'll bring it back to fitness. He says there are sheep and there's a shepherd and there's wolves. And, and, and it's a vivid analogy because what he is suggesting in the com, it was common to have shepherds and sheep in those days. He's saying the wolf 100% will kill the sheep. 100%. A sheep has no defense against a wolf. It can't run fast enough. It has like little legs. It has little woolly wool. It has no venom. Venom can't attack. It will die. So the shepherd needs to guard and care for those around him because the wolf will win. And can I say, if you want to end the year grown, more mature, serving Jesus with a greater passion, you're going to have to watch out because there are real enemies trying to attack you. So there's all sorts of destructive forces at play in your life, in your home, on the job. All of us have things that can tear us down. Distractions. I could be focused for a month on keeping my heart rate low, but then I can slip into old patterns and so can you. So let me just ask you, what is your wolf? What's your wolf? All of us have some things. It's not even one. What is it that trips you up again and again? What habit that if left unchecked and someone else doesn't know about it, you're going to find yourself slipping back into, even though you love Jesus, even though you read the Bible, even though you pray, can I suggest to you, talk about it. The analogy makes sense. Shepherd and a group of sheep. There's a community and you are most protected. Can I say this? You are most protected when you're following Jesus with other people. You are most vulnerable when you try to follow Jesus all by yourself. So it's never me and Jesus. It is in one sense that he loves you. He's a father, you're his child. But it's always in the Bible, we and Jesus. We need Jesus together. So talk about it. Now, those are the first two. So, so watch your life and watch your enemies. Those are important. But let's, let's end on the note that Paul ends on because it ends with a positive word of encouragement. Look down to verse 32. Verse 32. So he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Word of his grace is a code word for gospel. It's, it's like the message of God's redemption, God's love. So let me read it again. Now I commit you to God and the gospel, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified, which is set apart. What does he say here? As I'm, I'm diligent, it's my responsibility to watch my life and the people around me. It's my responsibility to watch out, not just for the wolves attacking me, but to actually be in relationship with other people close enough where I can call you out and you can call me out because we're protecting one another. But he's like, the third thing is watch for the evidence of God's grace. And this is what you need to know. Paul knows that the solution is not a heart rate monitor. Right? 
It's not a new diet fad. It's, it's not a new liposuction. This, it's not any of these fads that come and go. What is it? God himself will get you through. Encouraging. So watch out this year. As you start, are there going to be ups and downs? Absolutely. Anyone training for something hard is going to find success and failure at the same time. So don't say like, well, I'm never going to sin this year. Good luck. I'm never going to stumble this year. I'm always going to read my Bible on time. Let me just text me. I'm already behind. Like, you know, it's going to happen. But instead of focusing on the negative, I want to look out for the signs of grace. I want to watch for the evidence of God's work. You see, God's grace, the gospel, really changes people. And so Paul can speak to them because he actually led them to Jesus and saw them grow. He watched three years from people in idolatry, enemies of God, turned to children of God, now growing and leading other disciples themselves. You see, God is already at work in your life. He's already at work in you. So be encouraged. There's the evidence of God's grace. What does the gospel do? He says here, the gospel builds you up. Verse 32, uh, to the word of his grace, which can build you up. You may not feel like a saint, like a child of God. You are. You may not feel like you're full of the Holy Spirit. You are. You may not feel like you're forgiven or, or feel like you're growing or feel like you're worth it. You are. Because the deposit that God has given in you, God's gospel builds you up. Secondly, he says, the gospel gives you an inheritance, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified or set apart. If you're in Jesus, God's giving you the fuel to take the long race of following him. And let me tell you, following Jesus is more like a marathon than a sprint. It's not one lap around the track. We got to pace ourselves for 10 years of following him, for 20 years of following him, for 30 or 40 or whatever God gives you. And here's what I learned this week. There are different practices to preparing for a short sprint than for a marathon. And so in following Jesus, we need to, some of us, learn some new disciplines. We need to remove some old habits so that we have strength for the long haul. In lowering my heart rate, in lowering uh, the pace with which I'm running, I'm not, I'm not going backwards. I'm actually preparing for forward motion. I'm putting myself in a position by slowing down now for my heart to be in sync with my steps. And then guess what? Christian promises me, and I'm going to hold him to it, that over the next few months and years, at the same lower heart rate, I'll actually run faster, stronger. My heart will be in sync with my body. And in doing that, I get the payoff. So can I say, this year may be a year of huge adjustment for you. You may need to take the whole year and start cutting things out. You may have to take this whole year to undo 30 years of bad habits. Can I just say, go for it. Watch for the evidence of God's grace. You take one step forward in following Jesus, one step in obedience, one step in going his direction, which is counterintuitive, right? Because I think run faster means run faster. Train faster, go faster. And so in the same way, the kingdom of God is different than, than ordinary life. So Jesus says, in order to become first, you need to become what? Last, which makes no sense. 
But what Jesus is telling us is the gospel gives us the fuel. It builds us up. The gospel promises us there's reward. For me, I'm hoping, God willing, barring injury, I'm running the Portland Marathon this autumn, and I'm going to go stronger, Lord willing, at a better pace, healthier, finish well. Why? Because you do the hard work now. And so likewise, some small steps are going to make a huge impact. So there is a future for you in Jesus. God's not done with you. God wants you to know and to remind you at the outset of the year that there will be twists and turns. There's always a wolf. There's always struggle. There's always, there's always an injury. There's always heartache. But God is with you. And so as it, comes to the, uh, to the, as it comes to the new year, here's one last thing I want you to get. And this is probably the hard one, but I got to shoot straight. Your decision today will determine your destination tomorrow. So why this kind of message at the beginning of the year? It's because your decisions today, if I choose to follow this new plan and this new rhythm, it's going to project into my future in training and in running and in health. And can I just say to you, your commitment to cut one thing out so that you have margin for God and his people, not just you and Jesus, we and Jesus, that one decision will determine the trajectory and the destination of your future. And if you want to go greater and higher in God, if you want to be used by him, enjoy him, thrive in him, it's going to mean some painful steps at the outset. So, so Paul wasn't perfect, but he was committed to Jesus. Paul didn't always go to the place he thought he was going to go. We saw in Acts 16, he wanted to go east. God sent him west. And he didn't always know what was going to happen. He had no idea he was going to be left for dead in Lystra. He had no idea that his own countrymen, the Jews, would turn against him. He had no idea of the pain and suffering. But he was always firm in his commitment to Jesus. So, bottom line, where are you on the race? Where are you? This is one of those messages where you have to think about, okay, that's all great and good, slows the new fast, and I've got to watch my life, I've got to watch for the enemies, watch for God at work. Let me just ask you, where are you in this? Are you even on the race? Have, have you gone from knowing about God and Jesus and the gospel to actually living it out? Saying, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I put my faith holy on you, Jesus. What you did is the life. What you did is the source. What you did is the strength. And I exchange my gunk and my garbage for your life and peace and joy and forgiveness and mercy. I want you. Repentance is a beautiful thing. I did it this week. To repent is to turn around and change your mind. I was trying to run longer, faster. I repented. I'm going a new direction. I'm going to go slower and follow this direction because it's more life-giving. And so can I say, following Jesus is the place to start. But most of us are there. So let me just ask you, are you sidetracked? Have you let your own stumblings leave you at the side of the road? Some of us, you know, if you had a bad day in eating, if you're on a particular diet, or a bad day in running or exercising, you said you were going to go to the gym every other day. You've been once. For a latte, you know. Are you on track? Well, well, if, if, if you've been sidetracked, the grace of God is here for you. The mercy of God is here for you. The love of God is here for you. God is not pointing the finger at you. He's pointing his hands towards you and saying, come on. What you need is the grace of God. Are you alone? 
Are you alone? If you try to train alone, you're going to become discouraged. If you try to follow Jesus alone, you're going to get discouraged. Watch your life and your flock means that we run together. So where are you on the race? The call this year is to growth in Jesus. And what does that look like for you? We grow at different paces, just like we run at different paces and speeds. So I'm not going to look at someone else. I'm not going to look and say, by the end of 2016, I'm going to be Christian Isaacson. No way. But I can be stronger and run longer and eventually faster at the pace that God sets before me.